Great okay, playing again, Regis, but a hell of a people limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. limits. Now we know what show we're on. That's it. It's been rectified. I had no idea what to talk about until I heard that. Yes. Uh, Corey Green over there. I'm Kevin Healy. This is City Limits. First uh, Wednesday of the month, isn't it? Yes, it's Mm -hmm. May, whatever the date is, 6th or something. Mm -hmm. And um, therefore... Corey, yes. we're talking transport with John McPherson, who isn't here yet, but I'm sure he'll be here very shortly. Yeah, do you think uh, he's um, stuck on transport somewhere? Well, he may be. He only comes up from down the road in Collingwood, though. He uh, oh, okay. gets here pretty quickly, usually, yeah. But he could be. Um, and um, we'll be talking... Well, the main issues this week, obviously, well, there was last night's budget, but or yesterday's budget, but... Mm. Uh, and there was a fair bit of money flowing around for transport, but it's into a couple of projects. Now, the two things we want to talk about primarily, though, are the two big announcements in the past week or so, the, the proceeding with the Metro Rail Tunnel and, of course, the transurban proposal for a tunnel road in the west, uh, which has all sorts of implications for the future of the east-west link, I would have thought, among other things, but it's also a question of the private company doing it. I don't think for too many altruistic reasons, if you don't mind my saying so. But I'm sure John will have some thoughts on that. Uh, And the other interesting factor there, which we'll talk to John about, is they're talking about if it goes ahead, maybe even starting work on the road tunnel by the end of this year, but they're not talking about doing anything for the the rail thing until at least uh, two or three years away. So it's all very good. We've got a message. It might be that John actually wants to talk to us on the phone today, perhaps. Hang on. Oh, oh, great. So we're going to have uh, John on line one. I'm going to put him on now. How do you feel about that? You put him on now. We'll put him on. Oh. Put him on. Are you there, John? I am, yes. Good morning. You still Good in morning. bed? I was still in bed, yes. John, still still John, in your pyjamas? I'm still in my pyjamas, but here I am. John, here there's I a am. cup of tea for you here, but um, oh. well, well, I've got a cup for you. Anyway, look, I'll pour one for Corey. Yeah. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. listen to this, John. Here yeah. it is. Watch him. I actually bought in the... Chinese white tea just for you today, John. Oh, yeah, Your favourite. Right. Make me feel terrible. I'm making you feel terrible. Oh, I'm sorry. Feel terrible. But at least we don't have to watch you in your pyjamas. We just have no, to talk no. to you. Uh, <laughs> that which is, is a horrible Which is something. <laughs> Kevin's Corey, wearing yeah. a uh, sparkly <laughs> unitard, so you missed out on that this morning. Uh, well, yeah, he, can, got... he, can, he can carry it off. He's got the figure for it. That's right. With John, a cardigan. John gave it to me for a birthday present. <laughs> 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 John, um, well, we'll go straight to transport. I had a few other things to All talk right. about. We might reverse the program for once a little bit. But uh, yeah. uh, I right. started we'll reverse the program. Why not? Why not? I, well, you're, you're cheating. So you usually go. I usually go to at least twenty six parts. So you start right. to shudder, and now you've, you've got in. You've got in by the back door. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've got, you, I've got you. I now know how to deal with you, Kevin. It's taken all these years. <laughs> and of course, uh, just for those who don't know, anyone who's been on Mars for the last several years, John, for many years, has been a first Wednesday commentator on transport issues. He's a former vice president of the Public Transport User. Association. He has in the past uh, been a consultant to government. As like every time I say that, I say, of course, they totally ignored him. Um, (laughs) But totally, but nearly. (laughs) And uh, John, I did start by mentioning the uh, announcements yesterday's budget, but of course they were pre-announced pretty much. uh, The metro tunnel, but of course the the the. The the other tunnel, the road tunnel, which Transurban's proposed, isn't yet finalised because they're still mm. discussing how to go about that. But that's it, they're saying that could start by the end of this year. <laughs> well, they they got so excited about that that of course they announced that a week ago, and um, even though they haven't qu- finally quite decided they're going to build it, w- w- I think we can get the um, I think we can get the conclusion that, that they are because of the way. Um, uh, our Premier was so excited about that announcing that. Anything to do with roads, of course, you know, it does get them all very excited. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there, there was, of course, with East-West Link, there was also going to be that Western Link, which would be the continuation mm. on the other side of the Mirabalong River, essentially. Yeah. Um, how different is the transurban proposal to that? Well, the transurban one is a sort of a hybrid, of, a hybrid really. It's, it's got a bit of tunnel, 
but it's going to end up joining the um, present um, Westgate Freeway rather than building a complete new road um, all the way up to the Ring Road. So, so in many ways, this is more. I, I've always said that this is that, that, that they didn't need another freeway to the west. That all they needed to do was widen the Westgate Freeway. So they've they've taken my advice from that point, Kevin. <laughs> they are actually just going to widen the Westgate Freeway, uh, and then they're going to connect it via a tunnel under under some of those suburbs in in the west there that get the worst of the um, the traffic at, at the moment. The um, the truck traffic, a lot of it going to and from the port, mm. that, that's causing you know causing so much. Um, um, well, pollution, noise pollution, um, truck truck um, emission pollution, and um, and gen- general um, problems with safety as well. Um, so those suburbs will be protected by a, a short bit of tunnel under the under the under their um, their suburbs like um, Spotswood and and that area, and then it'll come up apparently and then rise up onto a um, high level bridge over the Maribyrnong before a high-level section over the top of the current Footscray Road. So it's, it's, um, it's in many ways quite a, quite a good bit of infrastructure if you're into um, dealing with the trucks. But, it, but it, again, it could possibly have been done, done a lot more cheaply, but I guess Transurban has to do it in such a way that they can justify putting a toll both on the use of that bit of infrastructure, plus they're getting all these extra advantages of extended uh, franchises for their other roads. Yeah, and of course, we are going back about 10 years. In fact, I found a cutting this week, yeah. John, um, where, it, where it was 04, actually, so it's 11 years, uh, where Transurban agreed to extensions and expansions of the of the existing their their existing um, mm. freeway, their city link, mm. uh, at both ends at the Tullamarine end and mm. also the Turak Road end, mm. for which they they did a deal. They were they were supposed to pay certain amounts of money after a given time per year to the government, and That's it was right. quite a large amount. Yeah. And that was waived, so they got away with that. Yeah. There was also a, a, an extension of the contract because of under the original contract, 2030 was the year the whole thing was supposed to come back to government ownership. Mm. That was extended by five. But in this deal, they want to now extend that to 2050. So we people people on other routes keep paying tolls mm, that's right, that as part well, of this yes. deal. Yes. That's quite interesting in terms of climate change. I mean, are people still going to be driving cars in 2050? <laughs> well, that's a very good question. Uh, are we going to be living on a dead planet? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's right. Mm. Well, Transurban might be there right at the end, still collecting tolls. Mm. Yes. Um, Obviously, I've seen Mad Max, so. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, there's a new Mad Max coming out too. The new yes, one. Yes. Yes. It should be. Um, should be wonderful. It should be wonderful. But, uh, <laughs> um, well, it's it's uh, it seems that the Transurban is sort of now been integrated into the fabric of Victorian society, doesn't it? It's uh, it's always going to be there, Transurban. It's always going to be there um, getting its cut. It's um, it's called rent-seeking in the um, economics area, where you um, you don't um, you don't work in a competitive market as a as a as an enterprise. You um, make yourself so indispensable that you always get your cut, whatever's going on and however it's going on as a private company you still need to be paid for things to happen. Mm. And that's, that seems to be the way Transurban's shaping up now. It's just about essential to Victoria. It's almost as important or more important than government. And indeed, even um, Terry, I call him Pucat on the week that was, but it's Terry McCann or something, isn't it, where his yeah, name is? McCran, uh, McCran yeah. the Herald Sun's so-called great economist. Even he came out with an article saying, well, Transurban's offer wasn't done for any, he doesn't use altruistic, but it mm. wasn't done. They did it purely as a profit thing. Mm. And mm. he is critical of the fact that Victorians are going to be continue to pay tolls. Now, we might argue that people should pay better for road use, but not to a private company, mm. of course. Mm. Well, that's right. It's not, it's, it's not, I mean, this is all, this is all, all this construction is being planned really from the, from the point of view of, um, um, developing the best product for, for the maximum income for Transurban, not necessarily the best product for the future uh, prosperity of Victoria. That's really, you know, really what it comes down to. And governments, 
governments maybe they get to negotiate behind the scenes but we don't we don't know about any of that as usual all this stuff has been worked out worked out very quietly behind the scenes and then just um presented to us Mm. and that happens of course with all sorts of infrastructure projects rail as well as road no there's no overall planning that we ever see in the out in out in the general community it just all sort of happens and we pretty much get presented with a fait accompli and, and we get told in newspapers whether we should think it's good or bad, you know, um, um, according, to the, according to what the editorial say in the newspaper. And, and about the only, uh, about the only um, debate that goes on is in, the, um, is in the newspapers. Yeah, and there was, a, there was an article in yesterday's age, um, John, I'm sure you would have seen, mm. where they point out that the lobbyist for City Link Operator Transurban is a former Chief of Staff to Treasurer Palace when Labor was previously in power. I don't know, I think power's the wrong word for government, but in my... Well, these days it seems and, to be, yeah. And another Transurban lobbyist who's based in Sydney was also a long-time advisor to the Brumby government, mm. and, and they go on about similar things, so there seems to mm. be these connections. Um, they yeah. all say, of course, it's fair and above board, but, yeah. but your point's correct. I mean, they we suddenly get an announcement, but we know nothing about what's going on until that mm. point. Mm. Um, you would have mm. thought people might be taken into consultation at some point. Yeah, well... Um, I mean that that irritates me about road the road um, um, planning, but possibly it's even worse with the rail planning. Um, with road, you do at least have a bit of an idea about what what um, Vic Roads would like over the next you know ten twenty years. You know they, they have some sort of sketchy sketchy stuff. You know they they talk about something called the Outer Western Ring Road that they. Then they are saying has to be built further further out beyond the present ring road. They want an outer western ring, western ring road, things mm. like that. But we know we know sort of about those sort of things with off ramps to Sydney or something. That's right. <laughs> I'm and saying that like most people don't actually have much of a knowledge of how roads work or whatever. No. Could you say that like you know a rule by technocrat does have its benefits? Um, well. If- we don't know. Again, again, we really don't know because we don't ever get presented with any real, real evidence. You know, is it really needed, or, or do they just, or do they just sit down over, over the um, morning tea and say, well, um, Melbourne's continuing to grow to the west, so we need another western ring road further out. Um, uh, and we don't. Partly, we don't know about those sort of things because we don't know, for instance, where they want to put the port if they move the port, mm. um, because that. That has that'll have a major determinant about where you want traffic, you know, where where the big flows of traffic will be, and then of course partly that's dictated by the fact that we tend to not care that we keep all our freight on road, and we don't seem to make much of an effort to to get freight on rail. We talk about it a bit, but we don't really do anything much about it. Mm. So the fact that the fact that getting freight on rail would obviously make it less less of an issue uh, in terms of um, um, you know, again, safety, pollution, and um, congestion on 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 road uh, doesn't really get recognised, or if it's recognised, it still doesn't really um, have any uh, leverage with the way we go about designing our our transport system. Mm. And it'd be more energy efficient too, wouldn't it? Because yep. um... about a third, about a third, of, about a, about a third of the energy to move move. A, move a ton of freight by, by rail compared with road, yeah. And of course there's no, I was, that was one of my questions I was going to ask, but uh, surely I know the people in Francis Street and all those areas that yeah. you know, get all those trucks yeah. will say this is great, and I, I agree, I mean there was, there's some relief needed for them mm. clearly and this this is probably, this is certainly part of it, mm. but but that other point you just raised is critical, that they really need to start, the answer is to get more or less of those trucks on the road and more of that freight onto rail. But that's, there's no, no sign of that happening. Well, you know, there's, there's some sort of, uh, what's the word, um, you know, there's some, some acknowledgement it would be nice to get freight on rail, but there's no real, real effort ever made to mm. do it. Oh, they say it all the time, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, they say it about once a month sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, <clears throat> we're... We're um, in a in a um, an, uh, an era when planning isn't really thought to be very important, but 
And the idea, the, the theory is that you set up everything, you set up your market so that everything works nicely and, and everybody pays what they should pay and then, and then somehow or other the market will sort out the um, result. But that really doesn't work with urban planning anywhere, I don't think. I don't think it can, can work uh, because you, 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 you simply can't, you simply can't bring all the factors into um, into play that need to be thought about. If, it's if, interesting to me that um, they're building railway lines from coal mines to ports, but not between the major, you know, capital mm. cities for freight. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing in Australia. We 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 we've got our head around the idea that you use rail to, to carry bulk freight, big time, like like iron ore, coal, even wheat. Things like that get carried by by rail in the right circumstances, although it could happen a lot more in Victoria. Um, but uh, beyond that, um, nobody seems to to think that rail um, needs to be um, you know brought into the picture big time. For instance, between the capital cities over the last um, twenty years, there has been quite a lot of money spent upgrading the rail lines. Um, they're still not anywhere near um, 21st century standards, but they were dragged from perhaps 19th century standards to 20th century standards. And that should have meant that more freight is now travelling by rail between the capital cities, say between Sydney and Melbourne and and Brisbane and Sydney. They're the the ones where it really matters. Um, But that hasn't happened. The money's been spent upgrading rail but the money's also been spent up upgrading road and the trucks using roads still pay very little to use the roads. And so that still meant that the convenience factors of putting just one container or two containers on a truck and driving a direct door-to-door from one city to the other has meant has made that the more um, attractive way to way to cart freight, even over the distances between the capital cities, like it's, you know, 900 kilometres from Sydney to Melbourne. Now, rail, rail should have been able to get its nose in the door and be carrying, say, 30, 30% of that freight. But at the moment, between Sydney and Melbourne, rail carries about 5% of the freight, which is just, you know, so pathetic, which you wouldn't believe, compared with what happens in most um, comparable countries overseas. So we've really got ourselves into a mess there and nobody seems to know or care um, how to improve it. So it's pretty obvious what you do. You you make sure that the trucks pay for the use of the roads when they're carting those one or two containers. Yes, and of course we've talked for a long time also about the idea of modal interchanges on the perimeters of the yep. city so mm-hmm. that you can actually transfer from truck to rail at that point if, if if that you know the bit least that's the least you can do, yeah. um, which at least keeps a lot of those trucks out of the urban fabric. Yeah. Well, there uh, continue to be to be promises, and that there will be some of that to do with the ports. That um, that the containers at the ports will be taken away to uh, by rail shuttles to um, other depots out out on the edge of the cities and things like that. That's been talked about, and a little bit of it happens, but only a very little bit. Um, because our our port here in Melbourne is very much organised around around the truck, and um, if when freight is going to go go on rail, it first gets carted away from where the containers actually get dumped on the on the dock by road for a distance to the to the rail terminals, which are about what I think about a kilometre away, and there it can get onto rail. And then it can go either short distance rail to a to a depot on the edges of the city, or if somebody's really got themselves organised, the containers can go on to rail for the long haul to the to the country. But around 85, 90 percent of the containers do stay in the metropolitan area, and that is hard to organise um, that freight to go on rail unless you've got yourself, as I was saying, super organised. But in Sydney. The, um, they have a much higher proportion of containers going to and from the port um, by by rail than we have here. They they have got themselves organised to some extent. It should be better still, 
but they are doing better, a lot better than we are here. And their extensions at the moment are the port at Botany in particular. That's right, they, yeah. They've the, the there's a lot of rail going in there at the moment. That, that's right. Yeah. They've, improved, they've improved the line into there considerably uh, as well. And yes, they do have shuttles now to, to break bulk depots across the metro. Well, not across, but there are two or three of them, I think, across the western part of the Sydney metro area, yeah. They're yeah. certainly doing better than, better than we are, I think, in that regard. Um, and um, you know, it it would lo- it looks really sensible to people like us looking from the outside that you don't try and fight your way with, with a single truck into a depot ne- right near the near the docks and then cart away one container. That you actually um, actually get the containers out and a train that can carry fifty containers and things like that. Yeah, John, can I go? Sorry. Oh, this just seems like a really good um, segue into talking about the new Metro Rail project. That's where I was about to go. That's all right. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'll just have a sip of tea, if I may. I'm just, yeah. um, but it's here, John. You're too far away. You can't reach it. I've got to come here, Kevin. Oh, I'm, have you? But have you got, as good as yours, I'm have sure. Have you got Chinese white, John? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> well, then, it's there you are. <laughs> Dilmar, courtesy of him. Mr. Dilmar himself. <laughs> I hope it's not a tea bag. Oh, yes, I'm afraid oh, so. Oh, God. Right, okay. Um, there you go, you're going to get me golfing it down. Okay, Corey's raised... Corey, you're going to ask something about it? Yeah, well, what do you think of the um, proposed Me- Melbourne Metro Rail Project? <laughs> well, I'm not a great fan. There is, oh, there's a small... But um, you love rail. I love rail, yeah, but I don't always love everything that they want to, want to do with rail. They tend... tend seems to be a Melbourne big project, the big project bias in Melbourne. You don't. You only do something if it if it's a big project that, that's exciting and you can um, you can turn it. You think into lots of lots of votes in the next election. Put your name on it. Yes, that's that's right. Well, yes, yes. Sir. I guess these news. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> um, Metro, Melbourne Metro Rail. Well. <clears throat> Do you want to yes, briefly outline what, what's okay, happening? Yeah, all right. We've it's got... it's a, a new rail line that starts in the west somewhere around about um, um, Kensington. South Kensington? Yeah, South Kensington, yep. And then it goes by a new station they want to build in the Arden area of, near, of North Melbourne, then to another station at Parkville, servicing the university and the hospitals, and then turns south through the city, underneath Swanston Street, with one station near the current Melbourne Central, another station down near Flinders Street, then dive under the river and under St Kilda Road, and then another station down at Domain on the um, on the on St Kilda Road down near the um, War Memorial, or the, and then swing east to join the rail line to Caulfield, somewhere around about Hawksburn. That's the uh, plan. It's something like nine kilometres of new double-track, double double-tunnel, uh, five new underground stations, um, the cost of, they're now saying, $11 billion, uh, and they're getting awfully excited about it. From a Keynesian point of view, that, that could um, stimulate right. the economy quite a bit. Yep, absolutely, and that's, that's, that's one of its major virtues. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the way these things are built in Melbourne, it'll certainly stimulate the big end of town as well because all the consultants and the lawyers and accountants will all get, it, will all get a big cut, plus, plus the um, bankers, and everybody will do beautifully out of it. And there, there certainly will be a few thousand jobs while it's being built. And they're estimating if they start building in 2018, it'll be finished eight years later in 2026. So over that period, there will be some jobs and there will be some more um, more stimulus to the economy. That's good. But <clears throat> it's a very expensive way to achieve any, 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 any advantage for the um, rail system. And... The, the trouble is that it's not really going to pr- pr- provide extra facility, extra capacity to the rail system that couldn't be provided more easily and much cheaper by making modifications to the current city loop that they already own and, you know, is in operation. And let me explain how that works. The, the city loop 
operates by having trains rotate around the city on a track and go back where they came from, if you recall. You know, a train comes, comes in from Clifton Hill and it goes round the city and then goes straight back out to Clifton Hill. That means it's gone right, right round the loop. It's used the southern side of the loop going across the viaduct between, between um, Flinders Street and Southern Cross, and then it's gone across the north of the city. When it's in the tunnel, it goes from Flagstaff via Melbourne Central to Parliament. So, so it's used a lot of track going round the loop. If that train had just come in from one side and gone straight out the other side, it wouldn't have used the tracks of the loop twice as it, as it uh, went round the loop, if you see what I mean. That would mean that a train coming in from... We won't use Clifton Hill. We'll use, we'll use trains coming in from Caulfield. Frankston, Caulfield, yeah. Frankston, Caulfield, yep, mm. yep, yep. So they would come into Richmond. They would go to Flinders Street Station, Southern Cross Station... They go straight to North Melbourne Station and then go out on lines, possibly to Werribee, probably. That would be the most sensible place to send them. And those trains would not use the northern side of the loop at all. And that means that you then gain an extra pair of tracks. This sounds, this sounds counterintuitive, but you do gain an extra pair of tracks if you do that with your trains, so that uh, come from the southeast from Frankston, and you do it... To for the trains that also come from from um, 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 Ringwood, Ringwood, and no, 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 sorry, we won't use Ringwood. We'll use Dandenong, Dandenong trains as well. So they all come in from the southeast and they go out to the, to either Werribee or they go out to Sunshine and out to Sunbury. Or as should happen, there should be electric trains to Melton, of course, as well. Um, so those trains only use half the amount of loop capacity that they use at the moment, where they rotate around the loop. And in the end, you gain two extra tracks across the loop that aren't currently, that that, that aren't then used by current trains. How uh, will that affect um, the user's experience, though, the passenger's well, it experience? Will, it, will, it will affect the user's experience. They won't have the choice of as quite as many loop stations. <clears throat> um, but it will mean for some users that they won't have to change trains in the loop either. They'll, some Some users will get a direct trip it will take them in in from one side of the city and straight out to the other side without having to change trains in the loop. But you're quite right. It will mean that that um, some some users will have to, to do an interchange. And the two stations that would be the obvious places to do interchange, it would be either at Rich, Richmond on the uh, southeastern side or at um, North Melbourne, because nearly all trains will be going through those two stations, even though they're going across the loop rather than around the loop. And just cutting in here, John, before yeah. the loop was built, of course, trains did run from Frankston exactly. to Williamstown and Sandringham Line went out to Broadmeadows and vice yeah, versa. So, exactly. Yeah. You're old enough to remember, Kevin. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That, that, and that's the way most, most, most um, rail systems operate. They don't have this loop in the middle of the city. They, they just send trains in one side of the city and out, out the other, and then they have a, you know, a num- number of lines doing that. And then people are expected to do interchange if they need to at, at these stations where most trains go through. And in, in our case, that, that most trains would still go through North Melbourne and, and Richmond. So, so you, get, you get two extra tracks on the north, northern side of the loop then become available for other trains. And that, those tracks are then um, turned into straight through tracks by building some short tunnels down from the surface, one one tunnel at the um, um, North Melbourne end and one tunnel at the Richmond end. And so you turn those two tracks that, are now, that now go round the loop, you turn them into two tracks that go across the city, the way we've just described, the trains going across the city on the viaduct. And then that's where you get your extra capacity that amounts to the same capacity that you're going to get out of spending $11 billion on the Melbourne Metro. You could spend possibly $1 billion on building these two short short tunnels down from the surface near near um, North Melbourne down to connect into the loop where it starts to turn to go round the corner to um, Southern Cross. So you, you would connect a, a direct track in uh, mm-hmm. to either of those two tracks that we're talking about that, that, that become available through through routing trains and turn turn that into another pair of tracks that goes across the city. 
and that pair of tracks going across the city does the same job as Melbourne Metro uh, for about $1 billion rather than spending $11 billion. And while I'm describing this as something new, it's actually something that the um, PTV, the Public Transport Victoria, actually wants to do in about 20 years' time in their, their rail development plan. So we're really not doing anything new. We're just bringing forward the cheap way to get more capacity in the city system from 20 years' time and doing it now. And it shouldn't cost... It shouldn't take more than, say, three or four years to do. And we can start... We could start doing this fairly soon because the amount of planning needed, I would suggest, is not very great. Uh, we can So we can gain the extra capacity, not in... Not in the year 2026, but but possibly in the year 2020, um, um, shall we say, we'd get that finished. So we get the, as much extra capacity, get it much quicker and get it much cheaper, which means there's lots of money left over to spend on electrifying more lines and extending more rail lines to, to actually actually meet the needs of the outer city, which is still getting ignored because Melbourne's growing so fast and we're not extending the rail to catch up. Yeah, on that last point, there's been a criticism, and James Campbell, the Herald Sunwriter, he did it for his own reasons and the Lord and Murdoch reasons, but nonetheless, he argues that the area is going to be serviced by the new stations, etc., already pretty well serviced by public transport mm. on the ground yeah. above them, yeah. uh, plus... Well, what the, the 11 million will do nothing to get to those suburbs where people have just no public transport or very little of it and yep. are forced into their cars. Is, is there an argument there? Absolutely. I, I, I agree. I think, I think that, um, that uh, he's, he's right in a general sense. Um, and he the, used it as saying it's the Labor Party oh, kowtowing yeah. to the Greens and all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. 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 So, well, he would, but the, 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 the Herald Sun would. But, but, he, but he's actually generally right. Um, uh, we seem to have this fetish about spending the money in the centre of the centre of the area, like like the hugely expensive rebuild of, of um, Spencer Street Station to turn it into Southern Cross. You know that's you know that was a, a, most people seem to think it's a lovely piece of architecture, but it was at least seven hundred million dollars on a on a um, vanity project, frankly. That might have been spent on on, on uh, extending the rail system or or um, on maintenance of the rail system, which you know badly needs as well. One of the interesting things I noticed about the press around this um, metro rail is that they said that they're announcing it before they have a business plan. Wasn't this the same problem with the East West Link? Um, let's see. Have they have they announced a business plan for Melbourne Metro? I think they might have. Announced something like a business plan four years ago when Labor first came up with it. Mm. In 2011, but then yeah. Premier Daniel yeah. Andrews said it was um, very uh, old and needed to right. be updated. Yes, yes, you're right, you're right, yeah. Yeah, well, knowing what they've produced in the past business plans, it'll, uh, it'll of course say what they needed to say. Um, but I, um, I, just, I just am confused that you would do the very expensive project now. Uh, when there are cheaper ways to to get the get the capacity you you need in the centre of the city, and then have money left over to to build to build railway lines, you know, build extra rail lines where you need them, rather than rather than just play around with another vanity project in mm. the in the, yeah. the centre of the city. But so I guess for once I'm I'm on the side of the um, the Herald the Herald the devil, Sun, the devil on the unusual. side of the not on well, the side of the angels. A yeah. stopped <laughs> clock is right twice a day. <laughs> John, putting aside the argument that yeah. there are better ways of doing it, sure. um, eighteen million billion—that was the figure for city for South, um, well, the East West Link, wasn't it? Was that mm. billion? All up, it was supposed to be something like yeah, that. Yeah, just thinking because the Herald Sun has compared heavily, saying we've got to build that. The yeah. eighteen billion is money well spent, yeah. even though the cost-benefit analysis is a bit yeah. bit dubious. Yeah. Yeah. Yet. 
with this one, 11 billion, they say it's a slug. Yeah, um, yeah, secret yeah. metro sting, slugs on fares, yeah, regos, yeah, parking yeah. rates, and the whole article is devoted to this slug because yeah, we're spending money yeah. on public transport. Yeah, yeah. They haven't said the same thing about East West Link no, nor no, about the no. transurban proposal, for no, that matter. No, it's no. a good, it's a good development. Well, apparently. they know where they know where their bread's buttered, Kevin. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not suggesting there's any uh, hypocrisy here, John, but just um, just interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah, well, getting back to poor old Melbourne Metro, um, it, it just it just um, it just confuses me that they have to go for the vanity project now, you know, rather than the, the cheap alternative. And the other thing about Melbourne Metro is, and I guess this, this applies even to the, um, the the alternative which I've talked about is that that it doesn't actually do a lot for the actual capacity of trains in, in, in the centre of the city because the the choke points for trains coming in from the southeast are actually is, is actually Caulfield. And the number of lines, you know, from from south of, from and um, east of Caulfield isn't going to increase. And the number of lines from Caulfield to where the new tunnel t- starts isn't going to increase. So that means that really the absolute number of trains per hour you can jam along that track won't increase. If you see what I'm, see what I'm saying, mm. the new mm. tunnel can divert some trains, but it can't actually take any more trains. And the tracks leading to the to where the tunnel starts will already support the four tracks that go go you know from Caulfield to South Yarra and then go into the city. They, they're still they're, they actually have a certain capacity, and that's not going to be increased by the tunnel from where it starts. And the same, really, from the west, because the choke point there is really you know, Footscray, Footscray Station, the number of trains that can go through there, and this new tunnel is going to start east of Footscray. So the tunnel is going to have the capacity, because they're going to build it to, build it to take bigger trains than we currently carry on the normal tracks. They're going to be... It's going to be able to carry nine-car suburban trains rather than the current six-car suburban trains. Now, that's good. But whether, again, you, you should be spending all that money in order to carry slightly bigger suburban trains where they're needed, I think is still questionable, especially as it would be, capable, would be possible to carry seven-car trains on the current network if you really wanted to. It, the, the the point of limitation is the length of the platforms on the um, loop stations, the underground current underground loop stations, and they actually can manage seven car trains if you if you really if they really have to, rather than the six car trains that currently use them. So, I, I have a question about money. Yeah. So Premier Andrews has budgeted for a third of the money to come from the state of Victoria, a third from the federal government, and a yeah. third from unnamed private industry. Yeah. At yeah. the end of that, who'll own the tunnel and who'll get the profits? Well, usually, usually um, the, the, the tunnel, if it's a rail tunnel, would stay would stay in government government hands. Um, if, you don't seem to end up with with rail tunnels getting into the situation we're in with transurban, because the um, the, the economics just don't don't stack up in the exciting way that they do for a private company with road tunnels. Where, so why would a private company invest then? Well, they might invest if they get the development rights over the over the stations. They might invest, you know, a certain amount of money in building the the line so that they are then allowed to build some some lovely big skyscrapers over the top of the tunnel for um, for um, you know possibly residential and probably some commercial development. That's usually usually the way these things go. The other way that the private sector could get involved is with special levies on taxation, on tax, and um, on, on on various, um, you know, um, rates for the for the council and things like that. Because there usually usually is a quite significant rise in the value of property around a new rail rail line and rail stations, and there's no reason why the the, all the value that the private sector gains that way shouldn't there's some, at least some of that shouldn't go back to the government to help pay for the um, the infrastructure that turned the um, mm. turned the private property into a gold mine. Um, just this is an aside, but around Melbourne, 
if you look at um, property values along the rail lines and even along the tram lines, there's a distinct um, rise in the value of housing as it gets closer to rail lines and closer to railway stations. And that's right across Melbourne. It's, 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 it's um, detectable everywhere. It doesn't happen with freeways. Being close to a freeway doesn't raise your property value, but being close to a railway line does. And it's just it's just one of those interesting things that uh, never gets really acknowledged, but it's there. And so that would be the other way for the government to collect some of the value of the property. The property value increases. And indeed, the um, the city link, uh, not the city, the um, the current loop was part of the finance was yeah. by a levy on businesses in the That's city. Right. That, but they're also talking similarly here, saying that businesses yeah. that would be would benefit should pay a levy, and yeah, that's well, got that's the Chamber of Commerce and the City Council up in arms yeah, saying that, that, that's yeah. terrible, that's terrible, we can't do that. Yeah, Doyle yeah. loves it, but he doesn't, want, doesn't think his constituency should pay for it. No, well, no. Well, they are it's the an externality. That... <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's always an externality when it affects you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did, did you... We got a, a caller um, called in and yeah. said, did you say train from Hawthorne goes all the way through to Williamstown? Well, no, we didn't. Uh, my pronunciation must get must be getting worse because I'm we said Frankston to Williamstown. Yeah, but, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's 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 um, that that'd be um, one of the probable routes would be the um, Frankston line train to go across the across the, the viaduct uh, from Flinders Street to Southern Cross and then go out via Footscray, then then to the Werribee line or or the um, you know the the offshoots of the Werribee line, the Altona Loop and the um, Williamstown line. That they're all part of the same. Complex of lines, yeah. That's that's quite likely to be yeah. likely in the future. Yeah, yeah. Either way, that's likely in the future. Even with Melbourne Metro, that'll be uh, that'll probably happen. The the um, the trains that they're talking about putting on Melbourne Metro, I think, will be the trains from um, uh, from Dandenong direction. Although it could be Frankston, but it it depends where the greatest um, growth in um, in in um, uh, commuter demand is where the where the which trains will be diverted. But see, those tra- uh, my argument too about Melbourne Metro is that south of the river, the um, the line's only going to have the one station at the main. There's going to be no station at South Yarra, even though the the line's planned to go pretty much under South Yarra Station before it joins joins the line to Caulfield at Hawkesburn somewhere near Hawkesburn, but there's no no plan to have an interchange station at South Yarra, which is just quite wrong in terms of, you know, metro line planning. In any any other city, you would not pass a major point like South Yarra without having an interchange station there because the, the idea is to make your whole network as, as um, uh, interchange-friendly as possible. And and that is a major point for both, you know, having two rail lines crossing the Sandingham line and the and the the current lines um, and the new line that takes you over to direct to St Kilda Road as, as they see it. Uh, so you know, having an interchange station at South Yarra would seem to be essential, however much it costs. Um, <clears throat> but if you're going to build the metro, Melbourne Metro, my argument is one of my arguments is that you at least should use it to service some of the major nodes. In that inner inner southern area, and one other place I'd, I'd suggest you should have a station is somewhere near Commercial Road, Alfred Hospital, and then possibly another station somewhere near the um, the Swinburne University site, over near um, Chapel Street, and and Paran Station on on mm. the um, Sandringham Line. So if you're not going to have an interchange at South Yarra take the train further south to service the Alfred Hospital and then Swinburne University and then swing it over towards joining the Caulfield line. But you would then at least get some more benefit out of the line, even though it would be longer, through servicing two important hubs, you know, for, to generate lots of trips in the uh, inner in uh, in south there. Yeah, John, just I, I'm just working out where you're going to be on June 11 and 12 this year, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I know you're Tell going me. to be at the this pub in Sydney Yeah. where there's a big, there's a National Infrastructure Summit being held. <laughs> and it's, I just want to, and I found this fascinating because this is actually an ad sitting next to the story in last Friday's Fin Review on page three about Transurban's proposal for the, um, the road. Yeah. 
And the, you'll be pleased to know it's, it's a broad, absolutely broad cross-section of people with interest in infrastructure. The speakers are the Federal Minister Truss, yep. the Deputy Prime Minister of New Zealand, who'd be a charmer, um, the Premier of New South Wales, bloke from Lend-Lease, woman from Moorbank Intermodal Company, and Scott Charlton, the CEO of Transurban. They're the speakers. God, I'm getting excited It's sponsored already. by Macquarie, the Fin Review, and other, other profiteers from infrastructure. So yep. I think I that's, think doesn't that summarise where people, where the big business end of town sees infrastructure operating in this society? It's Rent Seekers Incorporated, Kevin. Is, is it what? But the danger is, as we pointed out to someone on the program last week, that with these people running it, you get infrastructure that they want for profit, but not necessarily what's good for the community. Well, exactly. And we've just, we've just seen, think, um, yeah. seen that with uh, you know, the tr- this idea from, from Transurban popping out. And see, Transurban announced quite early in the East-West link thing that they weren't interested in building that. Now... Uh, <laughs> Once again, we don't really know why they announced that they weren't interested in it. I mean, it would have seemed to have been something that they should have been excited about because it was linking at one end to their, you know, CityLink tolled freeway. And then the other end would have been the Eastern Freeway, which then goes out to the tolled East Link, uh, which they own now as well, I think. And then you would have thought, well, okay, then they're, they're doing this sandwich operation where they'll then put a toll on the east, eastern freeway as well. Mm. Um, but they weren't interested in the east link, east-west link, sorry. Uh, and I, I'd, I'd love to know what the real reason for that was. They, they, of course, couldn't really bag the project because it was another road. But why weren't they interested in building it? That's always been a been a been a, a question for me. That. Um, they weren't. Oh, well, of course they weren't interested because partly because government was taking all the risk for East Link, wasn't East West Link, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they weren't going to have any real. And of course they're now admitting it was a, had a, had only had a point eight yeah, cost ratio they, benefit, and they, uh, point four something, they yeah. were saying one point four when they wanted to build the bloody that's thing. Right, that's right. Just just before we go, yeah, John, sure. there's another issue. I thought we'd just mention in passing. There's a proposal for a light rail in Canberra by the government up yeah. there, their government, yeah. and the opposition there is doing exactly what Labor yeah. did here. They're yeah. saying that they would tear up the contract if yeah. they if yeah. the, op, the the conservative opposition got in there, or more conservative yep. opposition got in. Um, now, one of the arguments they're saying it shouldn't be built is because at this stage the traffic congestion is pretty good in Canberra, so there's no need for a light rail. But you might argue that it's sensible to get in as early as possible, isn't it, and build the build mm. the public transport infrastructure? You might argue that, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't seem to argue that much in Australia. We seem to wait wait till things get pretty bad before we consider doing anything about it. Um, the Gold Coast light rail, by the way, apparently has been quite successful. It's been open about nine months now. Apparently it's meeting all its goals of, um, you know, the amount of passengers predicted to use it and all that sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, that's that, that's a sort of interesting comparison with Canberra. They're both, you know, mm. spread out with sort of regional regional cities, quite quite important ones, but not absolutely huge. If Canberra was somewhere in in um, Europe, it'd certainly be building light rail. It'd be regarded as a big enough city. To be Before the roads, rail. even perhaps, John. Oh well. <laughs> well, well, no, it's maybe well, a bit late for that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't um, a fundamental difference between Canberra and the Gold Coast is that Canberra is actually quite a planned city, whereas the Gold Coast mm, isn't. Mm. So, yeah, well, the Gold Coast. Uh, has built its light rail along the what used to be called well I suppose it's still called the Gold Coast uh, Highway I think that sort of links right along the, right along the coast. Of course the Gold Coast used to have a rail line. Uh, it's got a new rail line that's been rebuilt in the last twenty years mm. for the commuters to, to uh, Brisbane. But of course it used to have a rail line that ran quite close to the coast. But Joe Bajoki Peterson finally finally closed that down forty years ago. And now then they had to come back and rebuild uh, rebuild light rail in the last five years. But anyhow, that seems to be working well. Um, I mean, yeah, Canberra, there's no real reason why Canberra can't have light rail. I think that's being built as a build-operate, um, take-the-risk project, I think. I've got a feeling it is too, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. I, think, I think the government's, of course, going to step in and make sure they, they do make a nice profit, however it, however it works. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
Canberra used to have a much better bus system than it's got now. Really. Oh, it's just awful. Yeah. It's like once an hour, oh, yeah. awful, awful bus awful, system. Yeah. It used to be much better 20 years ago, apparently, and then, then the bean counters really got their hands on it, and um, they've reduced it. No doubt the cost hasn't gone down very much, if, if at all. Usually that's what happens. Um, but, but they've torn it apart um, to try and to try and save a bit of money and, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean. Well, John, you've managed to take up the whole show. Look at that. You've got better value out of me than... <laughs> I've got better value out of you than you. <laughs> oh, this wouldn't have happened if you'd been in here, I tell you right. that. <laughs> okay, right, John. I'm look, learning a lesson here, Kevin. Look, they, not too big a lesson, I hope. No, no. <laughs> Thanks for that, and uh, we'll okay. talk to you again next month. Okay, okay. I do apologise for not, for not making That's it. all right. Okay. We'll give Hi, you. Corey. Thanks for... <laughs> Thanks for uh, putting up with me. And, uh, okay. It's all right. Thanks okay. for being on the show. Okay, okay John McPherson. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, John. Thanks, our regular commentator on transport. Corey, just before we go, a couple of things. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. We won't get round to it. But did you have something you wanted to comment on other than? No, not particularly. Nothing at all. No, okay. sorry. I, I thought the way I just you said you... we on. I got a couple of small things. So one I found interesting was that... Um, Warren Buffett, the big American investor who these days is investing heavily in junk food. He says there's big money in junk food. So there you he's go. Investing in coke and chocolate and things, salty, sugary stuff. He's doing, you know, he's, he's obviously on a health drive for the community. Yeah, on the other um, end, he should invest in privatised healthcare. Yeah, well, Warren says it, uh, the headline is Warren Buffett shares the secret of his success, its culture. Huh. And I suppose you could argue that greed is a sort of culture, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all right. So, in your unrelenting efforts on doing the right the right thing, well, he certainly does the right thing. He's very right. Um, well, that's okay. Um, the other one I wanted to mention because this is too fascinating for me. I last Saturday, last Sunday, Sunday morning, come winter, I have trouble because I'm normally normally listening to three CR and programs like you do on Sunday morning. We have a good program list on Sunday morning, I think, here at three CR. But I'm also at 10 o'clock, I, I've got that on and I've got another radio on something else. And I, come winter, I start, I watch the football review as well. I didn't last year, could never tell you, but this year. But last Sunday, the 10 o'clock telly show didn't come on till 11 because they, they voted an hour to the birth of a bloody another dole bludger, another burden on the taxpayer in Britain. But then the Herald Sun, apart from learning from the Herald Sun money that we've already we've fallen in love with her over one day, Australia already loves her, it said. Ah. Uh, so did you know you loved her? I, I didn't realise till then, but we do. We love her. I heard uh, that um, this new baby is one of a, a number of generations that have never worked. Yeah, well, that's right. There's totally of, supported by the British taxpayer. Big list. But I think so, the headline that terrible. really won me is the tweet. Now, this is the, 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 it should be the, the tweet, tweet in this case. But anyway, the tweet that changed the world. Now, did you realise the world changed because that little baby was born? Did you? Are you aware of that, Corey? Yeah, I felt it in the cockles of my heart. Yes. Well, I, I must admit, I woke up Sunday morning feeling something's changed in the world. I can feel it. I can sense it. It's... Uh, it's like a, a brand new day. And I thought, hang on, it's Sunday morning and I'm sober. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was something wrong. <laughs> so there you are. But I've got a number of stories about problems with workers not getting paid, etc. But we'll do all that next week because next week's um, also energy. We're going to talk about lots of energy issues. Yes, no, if we no. have the energy. Um, well, yeah, good point. Well, this has been City Limits on 3CR, 8.55am. Maybe you're podcasting it from 3cr.org.au. Probably not, if you're Kevin. Um, no idea. No idea. What is the internet? It's a series of pipes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still have no idea what podcast is, but people really go. <laughs> We're going to go out with a track. This is The She by The Breeders. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia, on the Kulin Nation. For more information and to find out how you can support 3CR, go to www.3cr.org.au.